0: The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com/give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek episode number 36.
1: Captain the bridge. Spock here. Make yourself. Surrender is not an option. Attention crew of the Enterprise this is James Kirk.
0: Today we're discussing Saints of imperfection. Joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going, Dom? And Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Uh, and when I say uh, we're discussing the scenes of imperfection, it is the latest episode from Star Trek Discovery. And guys, I wanted to bring up a question we had from a listener who wanted to know why we weren't, you know, going back and forth, discuss, you know, talking about other Star Trek uh, yeah,
1: series. We, we can- because we can at any time step through the Guardian of Eternity and revisit old Star Trek.
0: Right, right. Exactly. Which is what we do, uh, you know, in, in between seasons. What we were doing before the season of Star Trek Discovery came up, and uh, and it's particularly poignant because not everyone can, uh, no, not everyone has subscribed to CBS All Access and therefore aren't are not watching Star Trek Discovery, and some people refuse to watch Discovery because it's mm-hmm. a. Uh, they have a a thing against it but uh but one of the things that came up was is why aren't we you know why why aren't we offering something for them and and the bottom line is we just, we just don't have the time
1: to do multiple episodes a yeah, week. Right. Um, all, all, all of us are already doing at least three podcasts a week mm-hmm. right, on, on, di- our, on our spare time.
2: Right. And, and, this is, and this is the pattern we've kind of set with Secrets of Doctor Who was that during the seasons, we would talk about the current episode. And then the other episodes, really, we started going back to historic episodes as filler between the seasons. And right. so we're doing that
1: with Star Trek as well. Yeah. yeah. What a, so we'll so we'll be back to talking about classic Trek very soon, just in a few weeks.
0: Right. It's uh, the the season of uh, of Star Trek Discovery ends at the end of April and we'll be we're already got stuff in the can for talking about Deep Space Nine after that and, and more. So we'll be back to that. Um, but we, our hope is, is that if you eventually get a chance to watch Star Trek Discovery, you know, streaming like on Netflix or something like that later on, that this these will be here for you to come back and listen to. Uh, when, exactly. when you do get a chance to do that and, and with the upcoming Star you know, Picard series, the, the, uh, section 31 decks. series, the lower deck says there's, there's even a Nickelodeon yeah. series, which we could talk about at some point that they're coming out with for kids for Star Trek. Uh, we probably won't do a, an episode by episode of that one, but,
1: but there's lots never of, you know, depends, yeah. depends if it's as high quality as the original animated series was, we might.
0: That's true. That's true. Um, but in any case, there's lots of new Star Trek to talk about in addition to the, the, the classic stuff. So we want to make sure that we're, we're covering it all. Um, and, you know, as it, it's it, as a Star Trek podcast, we just can't ignore a new series, <laughs> you know, as it comes out. So uh, I hope you understand that. And we, we don't take it personally if you don't listen to these interim episodes uh, while, you know, while we're yes, getting we something. You're, well, well, yeah. Jimmy takes it personally. <laughs> Um, he'll be coming by to your house to talk to you about it. But uh for the rest of us, you know, listen to it when you can. That's the beauty of podcasts. Is it's you listen to what you can. Yep. So let's get into today's episode, which is called Saints of Imperfection. Uh let's first kind of mention I'll mention a brief recap, which is that uh we're picking up when we left left off in the last episode. Uh Tilly has been taken over by this this uh alien cocoon. Um they're trying to save her. Um, and meanwhile, section 31 shows up to help them track down Spock. And, uh, so it's sort of the same sort of thing, but the name of the, the episode is Saints of Imperfection. Um, and like a lot of the series titles, the episode titles, the se- season, um, there's not an
1: obvious explanation necessarily for yeah. what it's about. So what do you think
0: Saints of Imperfection is a reference
1: to? I'm not entirely sure. In the old days, they would have like back I'm um, by that, I mean, the original series, they would often title episodes after famous literary things mm-hmm. like Shakespeare quotes right. or um, or just uh, famous sayings from classical literature. Um, for example, there's uh, the episode whom gods uh, whom gods destroy. Right. And that's the mm-hmm. one that set in a madhouse, you know, this is a psych psych ward planet. And that's an they never explain that on screen, but they're counting on the audience to know the classic Greek literature quote, those the gods would destroy, they first make mad. Right. And that's why it's set mm. on a madhouse planet. Um but uh but if there's a, a saints of imperfection quote, I don't know what that is.
2: Well, and, I, you know, I just in thinking of you can take the idea of a saint as someone who's been perfected. You know, we we, we view the saints as those who have been perfected in heaven. And then it makes it almost kind of it makes it a a contrast between a saint who's perfected and someone who's imperfect. I mean, that that's just kind of off the top of my head, really one of the the explanations I can think of.
1: That's Um, clear. That's clearly what's going on in the title. I just don't know if is, is it an allusion to something else?
0: Well, there is a quote from the director Guillermo del Toro, who is famous for a lot of movies that feature um, monsters like um, uh, Hellboy and uh, some of these others, and, and he, it features lots of monsters. And he says, "Monsters are the patron saints of imperfection." That's why he's so hmm. uh, interested in them, and maybe that's what it what we're, what the reference is to because in this episode, hmm. uh, the the creatures from the, the 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 dimension of the mycelial network uh are seeing Who's- someone as a monster right and that per- that person sees those creatures as the monster um and it's their imperfections uh of of
1: themselves in the in mm-hmm. the, or in their perception right. we see them as a mo- as monsters they see one of us as a monster yeah right and, and so I would view this as a Hollywood, if that's the explanation, if it's a Guillermo del Toro thing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I would view that as the dumbing down and narcissism of Hollywood.
0: Right. Because
1: mm-hmm. they're, they're not making references to classic Greek literature. They're making references to inside Hollywood stuff.
0: Right. Yeah, it, 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 that's true. It, it, because you'd have to you have to kind of know, although these days, you know, unlike in 1966. We could Google it and find the 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 reference. So maybe that's what they're counting on. But yeah, you're right. It is it is a bit self referential for you
1: know screenwriters to be quoting directors in episode yeah. titles. Um, Even if they're trying to suck up to get more work. <laughs> right, right. If this Star Trek <laughs> in, thing doesn't work out, I'm going to Guillermo del Toro. In in terms of applying the title to the episode, now Father's quite right. We have this mix of this irony of saints and imperfection put together. Um And in the episode, both the humans and the Jossap have fundamentally good motives. So they're like saints mm-hmm. in that respect, but, but they also are none of them perfect. And they're both engaging in destructive be- things that are harming each other. And so there's imperfection in that respect.
0: Mm, OK, so let's get into the episode itself. It seems to be have become a thing uh where that every episode starts off with a burnham voiceover that's the season's con- constant uh mm-hmm. through through all these episodes um and so she says in this one um words define who we are officer orphan widower shipmate and and I kind of take exception to that because words don't define us they describe us right. um we 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 they just you know what what defines us are, is our actions. Uh, in, in in
1: more than our than words do, right? I think it's a matter of semantics. How do you define, define, and describe? <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> uh, I, I guess, yeah. I mean, I I suppose uh, in from a, point, a particular point of view, um, that's what she's saying is define as in words describe us. But but I but I think in the popular consciousness, sometimes define is taken to mean, um, they they are they they the word gives us our identity as opposed to
1: makes us who we are.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So maybe. Yeah. Okay. I I can see that.
1: What, what I really liked about her monologue, there were two lines in the monologue. I really liked one because she's, she's terrified about what's happening to Tilly and she doesn't know. Um, Mm -hmm. She says, there is no word for the unique agony of uncertainty. And you know, in English there's not. There's no right. word that specifically calls that emotion out, but we have all felt it if we're adults. Yeah. There have been moments in our lives where there are huge stakes hanging on something that we don't know the outcome of, and it's uniquely right. agonizing to be in one of those moments. Right, right. That is, yes, that is a very good uh, moment. Um, also, so- I like the line that, where she says, I want to have faith. And she's not talking about religious faith here. But again, that's something when you're in one of those moments where there are huge stakes and you don't know the outcome, you really want to be able to just trust that it's all going to work out okay, but you don't know. Mm -hmm. But but at the end
0: of the episode, she gets she gets a little voiceover again. And she, she she does actually kind of the way she phrases it sounds like a faith beyond just faith in others. Or she says, I envy those who believe there's a greater hand writing our story. Who right. chooses the words yep. that keep the chaos at bay? Um, yep.
1: Chaos. Ca- there, it, and then she has a, a yeah a prayer wish. She says, "If there is a great, if there is a greater hand leading us into an uncertain future, I can only hope it guides us well." So, so we do have um, uh, a more religious thing. And at the end, she also she's envious. She says she's envious of those with faith. Uh, and then she adds like connection, joy, love resurrection yeah right um and which and it, ties into the themes of the episode
2: which, which is kind of interesting because of course you do have captain pike who very clearly has a faith background and has right. a faith belief um even if it's it's kind of what we would consider maybe a kind of a wishy washy you know or, un,
1: or unstated they haven't really shared it with us but right there,
2: there's still some some form of a belief structure which we could presume to be Christianity because he does actually mention church, you know he talks about how uh was, I think it was his sister only gave a straight answer when she was at church
1: yeah right. cousin but yeah. yes yeah cousin, so he's, he's got a Christian background of some kind right uh
0: so it's interesting that the these topics of faith keep coming up uh within this episode I mean yeah uh, within the series uh which you know given the the, the inclusion of these Red Angels is understandable, but but they're they, it's just I think it goes beyond and it's very interesting. I'm curious where they're going with it. Uh, it bears watching.
1: Um, yeah, you know. well, and there's so there's another big one in this episode, which is what's the deal with Dr. Culber, right? Because eventually, so you know, did he they they it? it I suspect that this is one of the episodes they did reshoots on because mm. there are rumors of reshoots that things went too heavy in the opinion of someone or other in the faith direction, and then they toned it down. And that could be part of why this part of this episode is incoherent. Because we have mm. they they find Dr. Culber in the in the spore zone and the mycelial network. Right. And and so like how did he get there? Well apparently he was transferred through stamets who had a connection to the mycelial network so when he was killed his soul apparently jumped to the spore dimension and then they're able to reconstitute a body for him so he's resurrected in this episode okay fine interesting Mm -hmm. science fiction stuff but the way they talk about it they never use the word soul right and instead they use the word energy And so they say his energy was transferred into this other dimension, and now they have to build a body for him out of ordinary matter. And I'm going, dudes, okay, number one, vitalism, the idea that Mm. there's a natural energy that makes us alive, is something that science doesn't buy into these days. And um, all matter is energy, E equals MC squared, remember. Right. And so what energy are you talking about if it's mm-hmm. not vitalism and it's not normal matter and you're not calling it a soul? Well, I, I definitely
2: got kind of the, you know, the Eastern mysticism type vibes where I have to expect to hear talk of chakras and things like that. Yeah,
0: it was it was pretty incoherent. That was in my notes. I was like, what does this even mean? Like I didn't like it was so as they tried to explain it, they were so much avoiding explicit religious discussion. Yeah. The, the actual that, word that
2: it, soul. They didn't want. They didn't want to actually put the word soul right, yeah. in it, where
0: well, the series, original series
1: would have said soul. I mean, that that's right. that very clearly would have said and, something like that. And they might have even had a discussion. If you want to be vague about it, say, well, I don't know what a soul even is. Maybe it's some weird undiscovered thing. Maybe right. it's just some subtle material phenomenon. Um, you can have your ambiguity and still mm-hmm. use the word soul. Um so what it felt like to me is this is politically correct nonsense. Um <laughs> at the network level where they're so they want to talk about religion but then they they can't. And so there's this incoherence on the script level. My sense was originally the script said soul and mm-hmm. then they they reshot to get but, rid of the word soul. Keep in mind Star
0: Trek has already gone down this path. They've already done this before in the search for Spock.
1: His Katra, yeah. which was his Vulcan yeah. soul. And you're 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 and they they had their ambiguity there. And, then, right. you know, on Bajor, your pie's strong and you well, got and the pie Even, even and-
2: in this series, the idea of soul, you know, because they took the Katra and how Sarek was connected to Burnham over, right. you know, right. s- light years because of the, the connection they have. Right, it, Where she, or part of him is now with her, or however they put it.
0: Right, and so yeah, so there's this this incoherence that as a result of their inability to to really kind of address it. I mean, it's just you either go all in or you or you don't go there. That's yeah. <laughs> that's really the the problem. <laughs> um, so let's let's go back to the beginning, which is when Tilly has has disappeared in this cocoon. She has been uh, transported. They figured out that this cocoon is essentially. A almost like an an organic transporter device, yeah. which is kind it of looks, an actually looks, interesting it, idea. Yeah, it
2: looks It's like an interesting it idea, looks, but it sounds very unpleasant to me because, first of all, you get to just the idea of having your molecules ripped apart by the transporter, which we already believe in Star Trek, or already have in Star Trek, but then you come out of it and you're covered in that mycelium goo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That Ectoplasm. just doesn't sound like a pleasant way to travel. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. It, it, and neither does the transporter look really great. It looks kind of like a giant alien cockroach dog i know yeah. It is really creepy looking
0: it, and it kind of pulses and 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 thush. breathes yeah. yeah so so while we're while stamets and um janet reno and uh are not we're, that's just gonna be that's, her name it, now
1: that's her name <laughs>
0: that's her name now janet reno is yeah. are they're trying to figure out what what how to get tilly back meanwhile on the bridge they finally track down spock's shuttle. Uh, They have to disable it to bring him a finally
1: closure on this unnecessarily long plot arc. Or Or not. not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Surprise! It's Philippa (laughs) Giorgio! Oh, surprise! Uh, And Burnham reacts to her as the emperor while everyone else sees her as Starfleet Captain Giorgio. Now, but,
2: I do have a question about that. Yes. Did I miss where they explain that she didn't actually die in <laughs> the battle of the yeah. Binary Stars? That's exactly the question I had. <laughs> like, <laughs> how? I mean, Pike. Now, Pike would be a good enough. You know, you could kind of say, okay, he was off in the five, the first five year mission of the Enterprise, and right. maybe hadn't actually heard until he came back. But Saru and the was game, there. Came the back. Yeah, she was. Back, the Empress was in our universe But yeah. no one else Acts like No this person yeah. died and now all of a sudden she's back
1: again Both Saru and Detmer were on The Shenzhou when When Jojo when yeah. was killed and but her the, death was one of the inciting incidents of the war. It should have been right. all over the news.
0: Right. But so, I, I
1: assume what they did was Section 31 then said, oh, she was really going on a secret mission that was vital to our intelligence efforts in the war. And that's why we let this story out that she had died.
0: Or she'd been captured
1: by the Klingons or something. Or like had been it. captured or something. Yeah. And they and, and so they must we have thought- done something like that.
2: We found her drifting in a shuttle pod somewhere for months or whatever.
1: Yeah. But, yeah. but it's a loose end. It's certainly yeah. a story, a narrative loose end that they didn't pick up. It It is interesting, though, that like Pike, who is in command, does not know who he's actually dealing with here. But he does Which, notice uh, the difference between her yeah. and the Giorgio he's used to,
2: right? I mean that the different that the 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 fact that okay, he doesn't know that she's actually the emperor, the emperor of the Terran Empire. That that's that's fine. It's just the mm-hmm. idea of all of a sudden this person just comes back from the dead with no explanation
1: of why. Right. Yeah, although he's quick, I mean, he doesn't, he's not thinking in terms of, I mean, you're right, it is a loose thread in terms of why she come back from the dead. He believes she's been in retirement, that yes. she retired from Starfleet. Right. And he deduces from the circumstances in which he finds her that she's actually on a classified mission. Right. But um, right. once again, we
0: have, oh, I'm Section 31. Oh, you're Section 31. Oh, everybody knows what Section 31 is.
1: Uh, we're, yeah. we're back to yeah, that it's again. just like the
2: CIA, you know? <laughs>
1: yes. Well, so it, apparently in this time it is. I mean, I think we do have these. I was thinking about this because we have these conflicting bits of data where in the time of Deep Space Nine, nobody has heard of Section 31. But here everybody seems to know about it, like we know about the CIA and the NSA and all those other groups that are listening to us right now. Right. Hello. Um, exactly. <laughs> the the uh and it makes sense because they established what section where Section 31's foundation is. It's in mm-hmm. the Federation Charter, Article 14, Section 31. It's, there's right. a provision establishing this organization. And so and and um, Admiral uh, Cornwell even yep. mm-hmm. says, you know, nation building is not pretty. That's why this organization exists, because right. when you had the Federation being put together, and Starfleet being put together, that was nation building, and this was one of the provisions they thought they needed. And mm-hmm. it's taken on a life of its own. Well, if it's right there in the Starfleet charter, then people would know about it. Well, I would I would assume what's happened is that it it followed a normal course of development in public consciousness, just like MI5, MI6, CIA, yep. NSA, all KGB, all those agencies. But then at some point between the 23rd and the late 24th century, the agency decided we need to take a lower profile. Right. And they started disappearing themselves from the record. So by the time of Deep Space Nine, very few people know about it.
0: And that's- so, well, the, the, something key to point out, the, the Article 14 of the Federation Charter does not specifically create an agency. It, what it does is it empowers the Federation To take extreme measures, extraordinary measures Mm -hmm. in times of uh, extreme threat.
1: I looked it up on Memory Alpha, and I think it says that Section 31 of Article, you're right, Article 14 does do that overall, but Section 31 of the article mentions a specific agency, I think. I could be mistaken.
0: Okay, I thought I, yeah, I I thought I uh, read that differently, but
1: okay. I mean, maybe, maybe. Uh, And there may be conflicting versions. Maybe they edited... What the charter says as part of their disappearing act, <laughs> right? Exactly, right. Uh, enough, enough to give them a legal pretense, but not a specific mention. That's true. That's true.
2: Um, but by the by the, uh, the way, if the CIA or NSA is listening, I will take a free coffee mug or baseball cap.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe just. Folks who like podcasts uh, also work at those places. You you know, J. J. Michael Straczynski, the creator of Babylon 5, I was at a a presentation he gave at Comic-Con one year, and um, he talked about how there were fans of Babylon 5 in the Secret Service at the White House. Mm. And and they wrote him and they said, we're going to we want to send you a T-shirt. And uh, and so they did. And he got the T-shirt and it just said White House on it. And he talked to them and said, it just says White House. And they said, well, what do you think? We're not going to put Secret Service on the (laughs) (laughs) T-shirt. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, By the way, I I wanted to bring up something um, because I'm, you know, even though I'm not as negative on this series, I mean, I'm I'm actually I enjoy it, but mm -hmm, I'm not as negative as some folks out there. But I do try to think from their perspective and, you know, how would they react to various things Mm -hmm. that we're seeing on screen? One of the things that um, one of the things that occurred to me in this episode is we have this idea that Spock is crazy, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and there's some ambiguity about that. I mean, even Amanda is even though everyone's initial reaction is that's that's can't be true. Um, Mm -hmm. Even Amanda, you know, was wondering about it. And and so we have it on the table that maybe Spock has gone crazy in some way. And they're stretching that out over multiple episodes. And it occurred to me that could be something that people would view negatively that, oh, we don't like the idea of a crazy Spock. But it occurred to me, actually, no, we've seen that before. Spock has gone crazy in multiple Mm -hmm. episodes of the original Mm -hmm. series. The difference is that because the original series was all self-contained, Any madness he experienced had to be over by the end of the episode. Right. Whereas, Mm -hmm. except in the two parter. Yeah. Whereas now we have episodic storytelling. And so it's the same thing we've seen before. It's just because of the episodic storytelling techniques that are now used in television, it's going on longer. But it still occurred to me that that's a, a risk that, you know, some people might find it distasteful. But it's actually right. not different than what we've seen before. It's just the nature of television has changed.
2: I mean, part and of it we is don't, and we don't actually know that he has gone insane,
1: right? It's no, just but they're they're holding you know, out that prospect over right. multiple exactly. episodes.
0: And part of it is like you know, if it were just some other character, just some random Vulcan, uh, it might not have the, the you know the this the hold on us. The story of the uncertainty. If it's just random Vulcan has gone crazy and is out there, where, and we're trying to track him down. That wouldn't be the same as beloved character Spock that we've known for fifty years has gone crazy. How, how do we right. resolve this because we yeah. know it has to be resolved and and I, I know that creates a certain kind of dramatic tension and I and I appreciate that. I don't have a problem with it, but I could see, but like you said, I could see where some people might bristle at you know we're, we're and, using
2: Spock in this way and, and to, to be fair, there there are people out there, YouTube commentators and so on, that frankly, they were so turned off by how discovery started and everything behind it that right. they won't be happy until it's dead. All the set, all the <laughs> yeah. sets are burned and buried, all yeah. copies, digital, physical, whatever are destroyed. The people involved are taken out back and shot, et cetera, et cetera. Right. That, you know, all memory that this becomes memoria demnata, you know, no more, no, no memory. It, you know, of yeah, the this, this series so it's
0: impossible for them to give it a fair shake it at, at and, and i, for I some hope people. we
2: haven't given that impression for those who are listening oh, you know no. I, I think we yeah. all very much we like this series more or less and I, I think we've come to like it more now in this second season yes. we started to like it more in the first season and very much in the second
1: season now i think we've started to really mm. enjoy it more mm. i don't know that i have I I enjoyed both seasons. I haven't. I need to rewatch the first one and the second to decide. Do I like the second more? I may in the end, but I'm kind yeah. of. Uh, it's a mix for me. I mean, yeah. I'm obviously yeah. critical of various things in it, right. but I also fundamentally, you know, enjoy watching it.
0: Yeah, I, I like I, the first I, season. I, I, I think I enjoy this one a little more. Yeah,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I can I can say that my enjoyment of the the series increased. Yeah, I, I'm critical of it as well. You know, again, the issue yeah. of of you know how do they explain that this captain comes back from the dead all of a it's sudden right. you know but things uh, like
0: that i'm critical of every show that i like though so. <laughs> because <Yeah. laughs> yeah. none of them are perfect uh so um so we, we 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 have uh giorgio she's they brought her on board she says she's been authorized to hunt down spock uh but by the time she found his shuttle, it was empty which is an interesting uh uh idea mm-hmm. um yeah. burnham's still acting hostile to, toward her and uh Pike explains
1: to Burnham needs to grow up a little bit.
0: Yes, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it is the Terran empo- Emperor. She is, you know, there's she has reason to be wary of this woman who
1: was pretty darn evil
0: <laughs> to begin yeah. with when she encountered
1: her. Um, so uh, there is that. Um, we also get to meet the head of Section Thirty-One. This guy named Leland, who Captain Pike knows apparently.
0: Right or well, is he the
2: head? Because it's also been mentioned control. I think, he, no. I think he's, he's her handler. He's not really the head okay. of
1: it. Yeah. Okay. Well, he's the head of the local. Right.
2: these the local, local chapters. chapters. He's the head yeah. of the local chapter. Yeah.
0: yeah right. So um, Pike explains there's a connection between Spock and the signal and that there are lives at stake. And Leland, who's this, this guy, the, the handler says there are always lives at stake. That's what keeps us employed. We do what we do so you can do what you do. And why does Pike think that's a threat? Pike says, is that a threat? Why is that a threat?
1: I don't know. I didn't get that either. I suppose it could mean that if we stop doing what we're doing, you're not going to be able to do what you're doing.
0: Right. Uh, In some immediate
1: context, not in a general way. But if I stop doing what I'm doing right now, it's going to thwart your mission. Right.
2: OK. Or or we will or maybe even going a little bit further of we can instead act to make your life harder. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Although, it's, I mean, he doesn't say it explicitly, it, so it's it, hard to say that was a threat.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think we can appeal to our all purpose explanation here. Instead of the time war on this series, it's reshoots.
0: <laughs> it reshoots. Right.
1: <laughs> because
0: the story requires it. Uh,
1: yeah. the, it, By the way, I, I I really liked with uh, um, with uh Leland? Giorgio showing oh, up Georgia. again. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she's there's a scene where she and Michael are walking through the corridor and she says, I'm learning to really like Starfleet in Section 31. <laughs> yeah. And and I like that. And I thought to myself, Michelle Yeoh has really transitioned well as an actor in this series from being a fundamentally good character to being yeah. an evil character. She yeah. is just I mean, she was nice as the good Captain Giorgio. I enjoyed her. She was this wise figure. You know, yep. she was great. And now she's fun as this, you know, mischievous trickster figure. Yeah. Um, And and yep. she's just a good actor. She's playing it both ways. And she's she's successful at it.
0: Folks will have to forgive us for all the constant Doctor Who references. We do this in The Secrets of Doctor Who. We make Star Trek references because we record these on the yeah. same day. But yeah. but I want to do it anyway. We would do it anyway. <laughs> But she's she reminds me of the Missy character played by Michelle Gomez and in, in yeah. recently mm-hmm. Doctor Who that fun trickster bad guy who's but who's on our side sort of um, got, got kind of the twinkle in her eye as
2: she's doing something mischievous.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, did say it, I have to say this character is very interesting. I'm looking forward to if if this Section Thirty One series has her in it. I'm not certain that, that it does. Uh, that would be a fun series to to, to watch. Yeah.
1: And that would be a key challenge for the series if she's the main character or something, because especially if it's if it's an ongoing series, because she works as this villainous version of herself as spice. Right. Mm -hmm. But you can't make an ongoing diet of spice. (laughs) Right. And so um, so. Uh, it's nice to put salt and pepper on your food, but eating nothing but salt and pepper is not the way it goes. (laughs) Right. That might not be very pleasant.
2: You know, I I do have to admit where there's a scene where Burnham and and, uh, Emperor are facing off each other. I'm thinking, yeah, Michelle Yeoh could take her really
0: quickly. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) That would be a very
2: short hand-to-hand battle.
0: I am a longtime fan of Michelle Yeoh's uh,
1: work. Uh, there is in, a, in real in real life. It would be a very short battle. Yes, in it real life, this is a yes. martial artist. Yes, yeah, exactly. Uh, so um, we see
0: at, at one point in this in that scene where they're walking down the corridor, we actually see uh, in the background a crewman. I don't know if you saw this, caught this. A crewman in the background in a wheelchair going down the the whole the corridor of the end of the Enterprise, the Discovery. Oh, and I, I think it was said, a, yeah. it was interesting because uh, you know. Uh, you know, obviously, they, they the casting, they don't want to exclude people. And it's kind of nice to have a variety of people. But it may be like, mm-hmm. are there no mo- mobile prosthetics in the future? No regrown limbs? And so we've seen them talk about regrowing
1: limbs. I just thought it was interesting. I mean, I would assume it's a nod to what's going to happen eventually to Captain Pike because he ends Mm -hmm. up in a wheelchair. He does. But um, so it's consistent with that technology. But you're right. It's also a problem. Why don't they just, you know, give give anybody who's paralyzed an exoskeleton controlled Mm -hmm. for the controlled from their cerebellum?
2: Right, and it could there could actually be an explanation too of of differences in gravity. I just actually last yeah. night happened to watch the uh, the Orville episode Home, where the the chief uh, chief security officer there has to go back to her home planet because right. their home planet has a much higher gravity than Earth's standard. Yeah, and she had to be in a wheelchair as she adjusted back to her home planet's gravity. That's true. And it could be something like that where this is someone from a yeah less in, lighter in, in, gravity
1: than Earth's standard. In fact, they had that on an episode of Deep Space Nine, where they had right. a crewman, a crewman of the episode who we never see again, who was from a low gravity world and used a wheelchair. Yes, right.
0: Well, okay, all right. Uh, this is that I, I mean, it was nice to see. It was nice to see the the, uh, the the they just threw it in there, didn't make a big deal out of it. It's just there, uh, which I mm-hmm. thought yeah. was good. Um, Georgia, well, back to Georgia and and Pike's lack of knowledge. She's surprised that Pike doesn't know about her origin, um, mm-hmm. which is interesting and. and Burnham says, oh, you know, I'm under direct orders to Keep it secret, uh, which is interesting. Um, now, back to uh, Stamets and Reno trying to you know, save Tilly. He he as they're trying to figure out what's what happened to Tilly. They think she maybe she's been dissolved by this cocoon thing. And then they start to realize that maybe she's been transported. He quotes LaVoisier. The universe. LaVoisier. Never let, yeah. Uh, sorry, my French is I, I should know how to speak French. Uh, but the, he says the universe never lets anything go to waste, uh, which is the law of conservation of mass. And so yep. they think May took Tilly into the network uh, with, through a mycelial transporter, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. So then uh, Tilly, we, we switched to Tilly in the network
1: where uh, we find out that May's people are uh, the the. the what are, what are they called again? The... Jasep. They introduced that term an episode or so ago. Okay, Jasep. They mm-hmm. are insects. Sounds like a reggae artist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I think like they ja-... sound like something from Stargate. Yeah, or it was like Ja Rule, but mm. uh, Jasep.
1: Um, <laughs> or <but>, Picney. Uh,
0: <laughs> they uh, <laughs> they're the insects of the mycelial, mycelial network. They break down matter to reuse it. That's a, that she that's May's explanation. Uh, and so that's that's going to be key. For the rest mm-hmm. of this episode, that's the, yeah. the, the and, key and question. And for
1: some reason, May thinks that Tilly will be able to fight the monster, and I don't know why she thinks Tilly will be able to fight the monster in a way they can't. Right. I don't think they explain that enough.
0: Right. And why Tilly, particularly over anyone else, um, and yeah. maybe just that because she bonded with Tilly by infecting her, you know, going yeah. into her right. that time. Um, but- it, Anyway, we're, we 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 kind of come back to discovery, and now we section thirty one is sent. A, now that we've found out that they're gonna they're they're working together, they're they they have a similar um, looking for Spock. They send a liaison, and the liaison is a bearded Ash Tyler. Ash Tyler. Yes, uh, so we've uh, we the series has acquired the beard we've mentioned. Uh, so it's now it's good, <laughs> and um, uh, he's got a head of hair on him now too, which is interesting. Uh, so. Yep. What I find interesting is Burnham is making this distinction, this very clear distinction between Valk and Tyler, and Pike doesn't. Um, Right, right. And and he mentions that, well, you know, he was Tyler
1: when he killed Hugh, which is uh, an important uh, plot point for today's episode. Um, Well, and, and, and speaking of which, I really like the reaction that Stamets has when they bring him on the bridge, because at that moment, Stamets is on the bridge Briefing everybody about how we're going to try to save Tilly, and then all of a sudden, Volk, who killed Doctor mm-hmm. Culber, walks onto the bridge, and Stamets looks at him, and there's a dramatic moment. It's very brief, but he looks at yep. him, and then he continues with his briefing. And yeah. on an emotional level, you you know, I mean. He wants to he just p- punch this guy in the face. Well, he's <laughs> right. uh, he he, just he, absolutely he, he, stunned that the guy showed up all of a sudden. Yeah, I mean, he's he's aghast, but he's professional and he keeps going. Yep. And it, it, again, I have
0: to put you know, kind of keep coming back to this. The Stamets of this season is is a is a very different guy than the Stamets of last mm-hmm. season, uh, which we you know we kind of get explained by his experiences uh, being mm-hmm. stuck yeah. in the serial Network, having this uh, thing happen to Hugh. Uh, being high on mushrooms. Being high on mushrooms. Yeah, but he exactly. Is, he has is a much different personality and a more pleasant personality, frankly, than, than he was before. But,
2: you know, as we pointed out what an episode or two ago, that it still comes out, you know, where he was talking yeah. to Tilly about I will talk less, you know, that that old scene It still comes out. Just <laughs> yes. A little still different.
0: There. Yeah. So the plan is to fly Discovery part way into the network and hold it there, like hold the door open while they mm-hmm. go find Tilly. Um, and of course, we have to have a time limit. Uh, they will oh, have yes. only an hour until the spores eat through the hull, which in Star Trek terms means exactly 3,600 seconds, no more, no less. And it will yeah. be done at 3,599 seconds and then they'll yep. get out, which which we see this whole thing bear out, you know, the drama, the tension um, and the eating of the hull. And I'm like, at the end,
1: OK, the, these... it looks like there's a little discoloration remaining on their hull.
0: Right. And by the right. end of the episode, the hull looks perfectly fine as they're flying off. And it's like, you know, you'd have to go back to the shipyard That's, to replace the hull. Right. That. But you know what? That we've I, seen
2: that in Star Trek. How long? How many times has, you know, did oh, Voyager yeah. get the the stuffing knocked out of it? In the next episode, it looks like it just flew out of the out of the car wash.
1: Right. Every yeah.
0: Every sci-fi series does this. I, I mean, it's I, not just Star Trek, but
1: except Battlestar Galactica. That right. Yeah. Be fair. That's yeah. true. I I I assume that when they're talking about hull failure, so it's not like the insects have to eat all the way through the hull, right? Um, They just have to eat enough of the hull that it loses integrity at speed, or have you have explosive decompression happen? Okay. Um, and so I so I assume they they actually don't need to eat that much of it to cause a catastrophic failure. And mm-hmm. that could be consistent with the damage we see at the end, that they just didn't get to the level. But if they'd gotten a little further, it wouldn't have been safe to fly this thing. Um, right. But that's 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 fan rationalization. <laughs> that's what, right. what, what What I had more trouble with is, so they have this dangerous plan, they establish it's very dangerous, and and it's like Starfleet is a promise, and we never leave anyone behind, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm going, <laughs> dude... The needs of the many can outweigh the needs of the one. <laughs> okay, <laughs> right. Um, and I I don't mind you having a dangerous plan for purposes of the story and doing it anyway, but somebody here should be saying, "Is this really the thing we should do?" Right. Um, because it's you know, do we do you really want to risk all these people and these billions of credits of hardware? Uh, military resources and that's a unique ship we don't have another one of right um Mm -hmm. to go after this one person in this way maybe we should stop and think of something else
0: right yeah right there there, there should be someone on board you're saying you know and and usually it's spock or uh uh, um on voyager um the vulcan um Tuvok. Tuvok. Yeah. You know, or or somebody logical like that and unemotional. Right. Um, and
1: there's some. There should be someone who. I mean, like in in canon law, a defender of the bond. There should or devil's advocate. There should be a promoter of justice. There should be someone <laughs> whose job it is. Right. To to say, wait a minute, this is dangerous. You know. Well,
2: and, and the perfect time to do that would have been the 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 person who was the kind of the transhumanist where they've got the the I can't I can never think of her name, but the Starts the one with an A. Yeah. The one the one that said you know, so we want to do, you know, do a partial journey where we have the, the origin, but not the destination or, you know, paraphrasing off the top of my head. But, you know, yeah. idea of, you know, why they say, well, isn't that isn't that putting the ship gravely at risk?
0: Yes, right. right. in, in fact, maybe that should supposed to be Burnham's job as science officer, you mm-hmm. know, and, or, and the or Saru as or first Saru. officer. Right, right. And that they're not they're not doing that because of their emotional attachment could be
2: well and, and and you know maybe that's showing the difference in through his character now that they got rid of the uh the ganglia, fear. The ganglia. Yeah. now he doesn't he doesn't have that fear that he's going to immediately say oh this is dangerous we shouldn't do it
0: that's true because that was gonna that could have gotten old real quick with him as a character constantly doing that um so tilly and may or the the mycelial may uh just dis- they board discovery once they see it poke through the the, into pinky the swears. I never
1: <laughs> never imagined we'd see Pinky swears on Star Trek. Okay. <laughs> if, anyone okay gonna, if anyone was gonna, if anyone was gonna do it, it would be Tilly.
0: And uh, they find evidence that the monster that they're afraid of is on board, um, yep. and they track it down. And you know, they, it is Hugh, um, and it's real Hugh. It's he's not a and not a mycelial hallucination. It is mm-hmm. really that guy, and he's essentially become a madman. He's gone crazy. Right. Um, which you
1: know makes sense. He's been there for months, right? By by the way, there's another plot hole here, which is that they establish that the the attacked attack to eat anything made of normal matter, and that's why they're attacking Discovery, and they also attack Tilly. Consequently, mm-hmm. but May tells them Nick's on Tilly sushi or whatever you imagine <laughs> right. they, mm-hmm. them is eating, and um, now that they've established that May can tell him to back off. They then do the logical thing, and Tilly says, "Well, tell him to back off eating the discovery," and uh, because now they've created the ability dramatically mm-hmm. for her to do that, and yep. so they 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 hang a lantern on that, and and May says, "I'm not going to tell them anything of the kind," and that explains why they're still going forward. But this is a big plot hole now because Tilly could have said, "If you want my help with the monster, you're going to have to tell him to stop eating my ship,"
0: right. Right, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna help you. You know, go on board. If we go on board this thing while they're still eating it, we could get <laughs> killed in the yeah, process. Yeah. Right. Uh, oh, never mind. The damage that could be done to the mycelial network if the if it explodes halfway in. Um, mm-hmm. And and then now we find out why Hugh is also considered a monster is because in order to protect himself from the spores, the the Giuseppe, um, he's covered himself in this tree bark mycelial tree bark that's poisonous to them uh oh, yeah. it, which they take as an aggressive action and i don't understand like why that is i mean they're aliens so you know that that's perfectly mm-hmm. reasonable that they would have a different point of view but it just seems weird that they see his defense against them them by covering himself that's not taking overt actions against them is a, is seen as aggression and destroying the mycelial network i thought that's what if they i guess the only thing i could think of is you know
2: that the mycelial network has a very simple look on life their job is to break down matter they right. exist for that purpose only and of course by defending himself against that they see that as an attack against them doing their purpose i mean that that's the only right. way i can really kind of rationalize it i would
1: i would assume it's kind of like how feuds get started. You know, right. um, mm. he they initially go to eat him. He figures out a way to defend himself. He kills some of them. They take it personally. They don't realize he's just defending himself. So he must be a monster. And it just kind of Hatfields and McCoys from there. That's true. That's true. Yep. Um, I mean, it's, it's effective
0: because, it, as we said at the beginning, this idea of each one misunderstands the other's motives Right. and it creates this the, the problem that doesn't need to be there if they only cooperated um so meanwhile as discovery keeps slipping further into the uh into the through the door of the
1: uh mycelial which, network which which is bad because if you cross one of the zones where the network is intruding on the discovery you're going to get discombobulated right I mean, and it turns into those and so you have like puddles you saw on the glen yeah, so so like the zone in invades the bridge, and everyone has to rigorously stay away from it. Right. At, which I, point, I at which point, at which uh, point, uh, Ash Tyler slaps his chest and talks to the cloaked Section Thirty-One starship, and and uh, and uses a com badge, right? For the first time in this time period, and Pike is like, "What kind of communicator is that?"
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: Uh, you know, one thing I do like, though, is the, the
2: image that this, this barrier wasn't just like a static line across the ship, but it looked more like uh, uh, ocean waves crashing against a sinking ship.
0: Right. Yeah. Like the ship was filling with water almost.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought that was that was actually a very effective uh, visual of what this was what was going on.
0: So and and I like that the uh, that the Section 31 ship was disguised as a nearby asteroid and then decloaks mm-hmm. uh, and and <laughs> is there to help them. Uh, which was uh, funny.
1: And then um, it and- fires things at the to use to attach its tractor beams. And they're later called tractor rigs. And I'm like, wait, we've never seen tractor rigs before, you know, right. and just to, just five, 10 years from now, they're using tractor beams with no tractor rigs. So why do really? they need these things?
0: Well, I wonder if they, I mean, that's the development technology, because in enterprise, they don't have tractor beams. They have a uh, uh, harpoon or grappling whatever, hooks. grappling hooks. Yeah, uh, and maybe they they see this as sort of a uh, an interim step. interim technology. Maybe it could be a way yeah. to way to
2: boost the tractor beams too, right? Make them more effective.
0: Could, could be Section Thirty One um, tech.
2: One one thing I kind of liked is the Section Thirty One ship kind of sort of looked like the old uh, original series Romulan ships.
0: Yes, uh, a
1: little bit.
2: Very similar design, you know, with kind of yeah. the rounded
1: center part
2: and then the the two nacelles.
1: And yeah. that's likely similar because they're using similar cloaking technology to what the Romulans had in yep. in the series Enterprise. Right. Exactly.
0: Um, and uh, not quite as flat as that. But yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, so we get that the reunion between Stamets and Culber and convince is to convince them that he's real. Um, and then. Yeah. Stam- so
1: he, he he mentions going to a museum to seeing de Kooning paintings. And that's yep. a reference to the 20th century, because everything is from the 20th century. Of course. Um, abstract Dutch painter Willem de Kooning. Yes. However, my problem with the scene is, look, he thinks you're a hallucination. Telling him memories of things you both know is not going to convince him <laughs> you're not a hallucination. Especially a right. doctor. <laughs> yeah. If, 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 if I'm having a hallucination, I assume my hallucination knows everything I know. Right. <laughs> That's true. So, so, and then
0: um we have this extended, like, so we've got, you know, minutes to live. Everything is coming apart. Everything is oh, destro- being
1: destroyed. These and are it was- the longest minutes ever. <laughs> well, Your time is up. You got to do something now. Okay. Let's take five more minutes and not mention Exactly. It. Well, and then it's ex- spending all this time explaining how Hugh could be alive. Hey, I got an idea. Let's get back to the other
0: side. First and then explain and then how he could have survived. Yeah, yeah. Like this, get, get
1: out of the network first and then explain. But no, it's like ugh. what. What I did like in this sequence is where Tilly turns to May and explains uh to him, "You're the monster." Right, right. to Doctor Culbert, you're the monster, and and this is so nice because it's an inversion of a standard Star Trek trope and a standard sci fi trope, but especially Star Trek, where it's like, oh. That silicon creature that's been killing everybody is actually not a monster after all, and you right. have the humans being enlightened about something is not a monster it's nice for once to have the aliens being enlightened that something is not a monster right exactly, exactly.
0: um and meanwhile uh, so like Leland is was is determined to you know just end this all and pull the discovery out and you know to to the needs of the many outweighing the needs of the few, as we mentioned. Uh, and Giorgio blackmails him to get to get yeah. three more minutes. Oh, yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. He, he, um, would they because he, he, he as she's issuing instructions, he threatens her with a court martial. And he says what the, she says, would they court martial you if they knew what you did six years ago on DeNova to the wrong ambassador? <laughs> and he and he says, well, that was a minor thing. And and it, it's, it would be hard to prove. If someone accessed the data behind your firewall would it be easy to prove you may wish to consider that <laughs>
0: <Oops>. <laughs> Yeah so uh, so he gives her three minutes and uh, and that's when we discover that Hugh cannot exist outside the network. Uh, we mm-hmm. get this whole thing about his energies from our universe but his matter is from theirs and that, that we talked uh, about that already.
1: so in, in, this is where it becomes nonsensical
0: Yes and so yeah. Burnham comes up with the idea to use the cocoon as the source of our, of, of matter for our, for him, from our, uh, whatever. And so, so (laughs) meanwhile, May doesn't want to lose this connection that she has to Tilly. um, And then Tilly convinces her that quote, the universe, end quote, will them, will bring them back together again somehow. Like gravity. (laughs) Exactly. Well, and this is, this is a, again, another way that they keep that a lot of these shows do this is we don't want to talk about God. We don't want to think about like a, that there's a personal, a deity out there. Um, but we want to assign uh, all the matter and energy that surrounds us some sort of will th- that it wants to bring us together of some sort that has some desires or, or interests. It's some sort of sentience. Uh, but you
2: know, I could, all I could think of is a captain to song. Love will keep us together. Yeah. I
0: kept <laughs> thinking of that too. <laughs> but it's, but it's, it, it drives me crazy in a lot of these shows, this idea that like somehow the universe is doing a thing. The universe well, no, it's not the universe that does it. The universe doesn't care. The universe is a bunch of, you
1: know, matter. stuff. It's stuff. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> anyway, uh, I I just wanted to add one more note on the nonsense in the how they bring Doctor Culber back. Yeah, because Br- Burnham at some point has this blinding realization that the one thing that's missing here is Hugh's DNA, and that's why they can't reconstitute him. Right. Well, they haven't. It, fully eaten him i mean he's there even if he's been translated into some other form of matter you it, could just get his dna from that right it, dna is just, you just need the do. information yeah
2: well that's so and that's what they ultimately do it's because the the difference is where the matter came from the matter matters and right, yeah. you know so the the mycelial network dr colber can't be in our universe because the matter isn't from our universe but the pod was made from matter from our universe thanks to Tilly. Right, and yeah, that's but, why they but the DNA came from the the mycelial so network,
1: Dr. Culver. Yeah, but they had that there. I mean, they could have reconstituted him The it, already. The, it, this yeah, it, DNA it is was, just a pattern. It's a it's yeah. a pattern of matter. Right.
0: Yeah. So just just look at the pattern and replicate it. Using and that's
1: that is ultimately
2: what they did, even if they didn't explain it very well.
1: Right. Also, what they did now, we've when we see Dr. Culber in the mycelial network, time has passed for him. He's his hair is grown. His beard is grown. You know, he's got scars on his body from the attacks he suffered. So clearly he's he time has passed for him when he pops out of the cocoon. Shave and a haircut two bits, no scars, yep. no nothing. And right. I'm sorry, he should look the same. If all you did was change his matter over to normal matter, he should still have the long hair and the beard. Maybe you give him a shave and a haircut if you want in sickbay. But, you know, so we you could change that the very next scene and it would be fine. We could infer that's what happened. But having a barber function built into your alien transporter <laughs> cocoon oh why not wouldn't that be great
0: <laughs> like who who decided that he needed a haircut at that point yeah. the aliens you're right yes that is that is a bit of a hole uh in the in the but plot wouldn't, there. wouldn't
2: that be great though you know if we had transporters like that you know you travel someplace and oh by the way your hair gets cut to the exa- exact length you want your beard
0: gets nicely trimmed and yeah this, the the uh yes the serial murder machine could uh, trim my hair while i uh travel through it but at least the next me will have shorter hair yeah, <laughs> my my thing about the uh, transporter. Um, so, uh, well, now one consequence of you now being alive uh, on this side is it's going to be really awkward when he sees Tyler for the first time. That should yeah. make for some interesting moments. Uh, so we can look forward to well, that. Well,
1: he always was more compassionate than stammet, so he. He, I suspect he'll be able to deal with it. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just, I mean he's, he's also Tyler a doctor. He's, Well, he, he also, being a doctor, he's going to be able to say eventually, I mean, they if they play mm-hmm. it right, the the smart way to do it would be for him to quickly get to the realization, this guy was under brainwashing and, and right. reacted on instinct in an emergency situation, and I'm back, and that's what matters. Right, And if,
0: frankly, I, w- I would rather he'd not just be back on duty in the next episode, but you know that he's yeah, gonna have to go. I yeah.
1: like the current doctor better, actually. She's yeah. feisty. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah,
2: she is. Um, uh, spe- it, uh, speaking of across, and you know, yep. did I miss? You know, but to you know, cross another show is, did I miss Stephen Moffat on the uh, credits? Because this feels like Stephen Moffat's. You know, he can't let people die.
0: No, nobody ever really no, yeah. dies. Yeah. Well, yeah, because Giorgio's not r- dead. I mean, she's back in a way. Now uh, Hugh is back in a way. Is there anybody else who's dead that's gonna that we should see come back? Uh, Lorca,
2: we, L- Lorca, Lorca, and there's, there's been rumors of that. There's rumors. Not this, not this season, but maybe the third season.
0: Well, I mean, it's the, like with Giorgio, it's it's a different Lorca. So maybe you know the, our universe has a Lorca somewhere, right? Lurking yep. in the corners, get it. Um, <laughs> mm. Meanwhile, uh, speaking of people coming back, Admiral Cornwall is back, um, yeah. and she tells Leland and Pike that uh, to cut out their. Uh, BS uh manlier than now uh, Baloney and uh team up already team up and that the uh, she says the signals leave behind tachyon radiation which could be a sign of time travel transporters cloaks or anything really so that's really mm-hmm. unimportant information then uh, but, mm-hmm. but uh it means that they have to work together to figure out what's going on and uh then uh, they have to work together so, Tyler St- so-
1: permanent on the discovery right so and, and- Leland says, unless you want Giorgio. And immediately all three of them are like, no, nope." <laughs> Everybody knows that would be a bad idea.
0: Uh, and then uh, we're back to Giorgio, who says um, she she says something interesting to to Burnham. She says, uh, you know, I've had I've had your life in my hands a dozen times. Um, and you're going to have to start trusting me at some point because, uh, you know, I, I'm, I have your best interest at heart. And then Burnham replies, said the scorpion to the frog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which is a, yeah, exactly. a nice little literary reference uh and then uh we we kind of close out there uh for the episode um with you know come in next week and we'll we don't have to get into that because we'll talk
1: about it next week but giorgio does say though that her goal is to save spock from people who are hunting him right mm-hmm. right because right. most people are under the impression this guy has gone psychopathic and become a mass murderer
0: Right, and and the, we we just we don't believe Georgia. We just don't believe that she has an altruistic I do, heart. I do, but I I,
1: I don't yeah. think she has an altruistic heart. But I think she is, for whatever reason, seriously mm-hmm. trying to get Spock and not have him just be killed by the first people who run across him and decide mm-hmm. to use phasers. Right, and and by the way, at this point, is we
0: we get our first really um, hint at the red angels are maybe more than some sort of spiritual being that maybe they're time travelers or of some sort. Right. Um, and, and so a, 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 uh, a more natural explanation for what they are. So that's maybe what's coming, uh, down, down the, I was gonna say down the pike, but, uh, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so do you have any, uh, any of the last, uh, bits of commentary on this episode before we wrap up? I'm good. I've got just a couple things. things.
2: Uh, Pike says when talk, when, when Burnham first sees uh, Ash Tyler Pike says, I prefer people whose truth I can take at face value. That sounds like the, the definition of being honest. If you're a subjectivist, <laughs> you know, at least, at least you're honest about your truth, whether or not right. I agree with it's another story, but at least you're honest about your truth. Right. And then um, Leland, you know, mentioned that, you know, in his line of work, he crosses lines and he crossed a line with. Pike somewhere. I wonder if they'll ever pay that off, or that's just kind of a throwaway statement that Leland apparently did something in the past to kind of sour their friendship.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Or if it's just to make Leland a sinister figure. Yeah. That's exactly. Okay. So, uh, all right. So, well, as we do, we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek. Um, and today we're we're thanking by name uh, Father Eric, Kathy L, Linda N, Janet M, and Sam E. It's through their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give that it makes it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Star Trek and all the shows we do at sqpn.com. And if you'd like, you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. What did you think of The Saints of Imperfection and what we had to say about it? Did you find any other bits of uh, of, of the show that you wanted to mention to us that you found interesting? Uh, you can let us know by visiting sqpn.com slash trek. Or the SQPN Facebook page or, And leave us some feedback there Or send us an email to trek At sqpn.com You can find links relevant to our discussion On our show notes on sqpn.com And we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing The next episode The Sounds of Thunder Until then, Jimmy Aiken, Thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Trek Thank you Dom And live long and prosper And Father Corey, thank you as well Thank you Dom And once again, I'm Dom Bethanelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. And remember, are you ready to execute this very bold, deeply insane plan of yours?